Dear precious Heavenly Father, Lord God, I pray right now that you just be with us. I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that you strengthen us, lead us and guide us throughout this week. I also pray, Lord God, that you just help us to open up our minds, Lord God, and give it ourselves spiritually, Lord God, to you. That you will lead us mentally, emotionally, and all of the ways into you, and our families as well. I pray that you will protect us from all the distractions of the world, and that, Lord God, we will listen to your word today, and that spiritually you prepare us throughout these songs, Lord God, because that's what it is. It is a time to prepare ourselves throughout these songs so that we'll be prepared whenever the sermon comes. And I pray we be prepared for when you come to take us home. We pray for all this in your holy, precious name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Welcome to the Moment of Truth Bible Baptist Church. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here as it always is. Well, it's a brand new month. It's a brand new month and I'm excited about it. Well, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but a couple days ago was Groundhog Day and I was all excited for it because that's the day when we decide whether or not if winter is going to continue to go on or not. And of course, you know, that's all just fun and fiction. But according to Poxitani Phil, oh, I like his name, Poxitani Phil, the little groundhog decided that winter is no longer going to be with us. Of course, the weather folks say something different. But then again, that little rodent says that winter is pretty near over. And I pray and hope that little rodent is right. But according to the weather folk, he's wrong. We shall see. But we do know this. According to Pastor Phil, Sunday school is every week at 9.45 a.m. And morning worship is at 11 a.m. And according to this bulletin, that is correct. Also, we have Wednesday night services at 7 p.m. each and every week. And uh, we're getting ready to go through some through uh, some more New Testament studies. We're going to be learning about First and Second Corinthians this upcoming Wednesday. So come for that, First and Second Corinthians, and that'll be fun. And then upcoming events in February. That's this month on the tenth, and that is this upcoming Saturday. Is that correct? Okay, this upcoming Saturday, the Valentine Banquet. Valentine banquet at 6:30 p.m. Have your food here by Wednesday, and that uh, the sign-up list is on the bulletin board. And the good thing about Valentine banquet is you don't have to have a sweetheart. It's on a sweetheart banquet, and it's a nice place. It's going to have nice food, and we're going to have little kids to boss around. I'm of course joking about that. That's up to this lady back here. What's that? They'll be bossing us around. That's what ladies are good for. You get to trip the little kids. I'm kidding, of course. I'm kidding about that. But it's a lot of fun, and I love the little the little helpers. And uh, we always try to treat them real good afterwards, of course. And uh, I always love to see the young kids here. They all dress real nice. And I used to be one of those little helpers years ago, believe it or not. You, and I know what you're thinking. You were never little. But <laughs> the fact is, is when I was real young, about 11, I remember it was the first time I got to help, and I always enjoyed getting to see the adults uh at the banquet and uh, I was dressed in a nice dress up shirt and a tie. And I think it was the first, I wasn't a real tie. It was a clip on, but that was, but there was a couple years for a few years before I learned how to get a real tie, but I enjoyed helping and kids still do that to this day, young people. And we always need to appreciate them and the help that they do. And I always uh, appreciate the food that is prepared and brought from all the people. So we need to enjoy that. And that's coming up this Friday. So don't miss it. Come for that and invite people, invite people. You can invite all the people you want and 
that should be just fine and dandy. Also, we have on the 12th, and that's just... I want to say We'll go right ahead. Um, if you're planning on attending the banquet, would you do me a favor and write your name and who you're bringing, or if you're bringing a guest, write down yourself plus one or something like that on the list so I can have an idea of how much food to prepare. I don't want to go crazy and have a whole bunch of food left over. And uh, so, you know, just if you could do that for me, I'd, I'd really appreciate it. And then on the 12th, we're going to have ladies night out. And that is next Monday. That's a week from tomorrow. Ladies on out says, love your enemies. That's very important. And the best way to love your enemies is by having bean soup. And, uh, and, uh, cause you can love your enemies, but you don't love your family so well. <laughs> and, uh, also when you love your enemies, you bring a dessert or a side dish. And that is next Monday night on the 12th and on the 13th. On the 13th, which is next Tuesday, we're going to have the X-Men. That's the Men of Christ. And it's going to be called Hallmark Man of Godly Love. And that's going to be next week. Both of them are going to be at 6.30 p.m., one on the 12th and one on the 13th. And then next Wednesday night, next Wednesday night on the the, uh, the 14th, that's a Wednesday night on the 14th, Valentine's Day, what are we going to do on the Wednesday night? Oh, it's going to be oh so fun. We're going to have a nice Wednesday night. We're going to watch uh, some real fun Christian things I found about Valentine's Day that we're going to watch. And I'm going to have some nice, fun, loving things for us to go over that night, too. I'm going to try, if I have enough or not, we're going to try to eat a little something Valentine-y. By the way, I need you to make something valentine <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to you about that later. You, you and I, you and I, you and I, I forgot to talk to you about, it. by the way, don't worry. I've had plenty of time to talk to her about it. But anyway, I will by then. What, what's that? Banana. He's, he loves, he's gone bananas over the banana bread she made. But uh, anyway, with all that being said, this is a brand new month. And so I need to ask you, is there anyone here who has a birthday in the month of February? Anyone who has a birthday in the month of February? Nobody. Nobody's a February birthday. No little cherubs. Okay. Well, at least we know that she's in a better place right now. But is there anyone who has an anniversary in February? Oh, yes. Take take a stand. Take a stand. Okay. Let's sing happy anniversary to this wonderful lady. Anybody else? Okay. Happy anniversary to you. Happy anniversary to you. Happy anniversary. God bless you. Happy anniversary to you. In fact, I remember taking care of you and your husband and it was a honorary uh, going up, you know, wedding situation going through all the anniversary verses and everything else. I recall that little wedding cake. Yeah, banquets. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> oh. Aww. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> 
Well, I didn't. I didn't dress. That's one. I didn't dress like he wanted me to. He asked me to dress like a Cupid, and I said, "I'm not dressed like Cupid." No, I'm kidding. <laughs> wow. Happy 49th. Next year we'll we'll celebrate the 50th for you. That's wonderful. So also we have the scripture of the month this year, which believe it or not is a very short one. One of the shortest of the of the Bible. First Corinthians 16, 14. First Corinthians 16, 14. Let all that you do be done with love. Isn't that nice? Let all that you do be done with love. First Corinthians 16, 14. That's really nice. I believe that's all that we uh, that uh, your pastor has to say for the moment, and I'm going to hand the microphone back to you so we can sing. How many thanks that I should make Philip make something for Valentine's night <laughs> instead of me? Of course, it might not be edible, but I'm making plenty for the sermon the next day <laughs> or the next week. I'm making a thing. Boy, Luke's getting hungry back there. I think. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and open our hymnals to number 333. And we're going to use this one as our welcoming one another to the house of the Lord today. 
please. Thank you. Let's look up um, this down at the cross. It's the actually the and there it said glory to His name. So I had the wrong. That was my fault. Sorry. I just took it at its word that that's what it was. Number one forty is what we want. Okay, start it again, please. No, can you restart the whole thing? Amen. All right. Anybody have a blessing they want to share today before we go on?
Yes. 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 Looks like we may be getting a little rain today, but that's okay. Right? As long as it's not snow and ice, I'm okay. <laughs> Let's go ahead and sing Blessed Assurance. Number 334. This is one of my favorite songs. Hope you're all doing well tonight, or today, I should say, this morning. Morning is almost over, though. You sure can't tell by the weather. I'm not going to let the weather stop me. We have someone passing out pictures that I drew, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't get to bed till pretty much this morning. <laughs> Try and get these pictures done. And, and in truth, they didn't want to print. No matter what I tried, I had to shut my computer down and restart in order to get a print. So, what's that? What'd you say? Oh, well, that's not the case. Got it finally done. It took a while. I'll be doing it again in a couple of weeks. I'm going to be doing different kinds of different kinds of heart. 
Never kinds of hard. We may need to get new uh, ink, actually. But that being said, uh, that being said, so today you're going to see uh, different kinds of churches, different kinds of churches. And I'm just giving you a chance so we can pass everything out here. And let us now turn to the book of Revelations. Actually, it's the exact same one from last week. The book of Revelations, chapter 3. Verse 10, 15 through 16. And if you could please stand after you look it up. Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 through 16. And stand to honor the reading of his word. And it says, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 through 16, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. God bless and honor the reading of his word. You may be seated. What is the church? What is the church? The church is the people. It's not the building. No, it's not. It's the body of believers. So why are there so many churches? And by that, I mean, why are there so many? Well, hello. Come on, get back up here. This here thing is. Little stuff. I apologize. Look back up here. So, why are there so many denominations? That's the question so many people have. Why are there so many denominations? And why did it start? There are so many different sects. That's S-E-C-T-S, sex, and I always say groups. Why are there so many groups? Because that word sounds too much like another one. So why are there so many groups, so many different types of churches, so many denominations? Well, let me give you a little bit of history about that before I get into my sermon. There are so many different groups of churches because there was one church originally, and it was the Orthodox Church, known as the Roman Catholic Church and others. Those were the Roman Orthodox churches. But here's what happened with those Roman Orthodox churches. They started to believe a different way. They started to believe that the church was more important than the Bible. And that's the truth. They started to believe that the church could choose to start believing differently than the Bible. Or they could choose what was more important than what the Bible said. So they believed that the church was more important than the Bible. And they started to go into mystical beliefs at times. I'm not saying they always did that, but if you don't believe that, you can start watching certain, myst certain uh, mystery shows. <laughs> and on some of those mystery shows, they show what some of the Roman Catholic churches believe. And there's near mystical, mythical beings in their beliefs. And so, therefore, that's why other churches started to, uh, in that church, the Orthodox Church, believed that the Bible was more important than the, than the church itself. Because remember, the church itself is the believers, not the building. And so the, the problem with believing that the church is more important than the Bible is that the church itself, the believers, are just people. And people make mistakes. And if you believe that the church is more important than the Bible, then the church itself is going to get stuff wrong. So because of that, people left the church, the Orthodox Church, 
and they started building and making other churches. They believed the Bible is more important than the church, and they broke off making many other, other groups. And I agree with that, by the way. But they kept breaking off into many different styles and many different focuses and many different groups. And from that, you got all these other denominations. You got the Protestants, the Baptists, the Southern Baptists, the Methodists, the Lutheran, the Episcopal, the, Angel- the uh, Angelican, the Evangelical. You've got the Presbyterian, the Pentecostal, Pentecostal, the non-denominational, and so many more denominations than that. Now, what is a denomination? Well, the denominations are just a different style of Christianity. That's all it is. So they're all Christian, but they're just different styles of Christian. So when you hear that this person goes to this style of church or that style of church, that's all it is. It's just a different style of the same belief. Now, there are also different religions that call themselves Christian, but they're not necessarily Christian. But we're not going to get in to denominations today. Today's sermon is not about denominations. Now, some of the stuff we talk about does go into denominations, but we're not going to go into that. Today's sermon is not about denominations. Today's sermon is about church attitudes, church actions, church personalities, church temperatures, and temperatures of faith. Now, why am I calling it church temperatures? Well, first of all, because it sounds funny when you go slow down and say temperatures. No, but part of it is because the last couple of weeks we talked about the cold. We talked about the hot. And you saw that, what did the Bible say in Revelation? It doesn't matter whether you're hot nor cold. It does matter. But if you're not hot or cold, but just lukewarm, what does the, the Lord Jesus say? He will spew you and spit you out of his mouth. Now, he's talking to a church there. We're going to get into that here in a moment. The truth is. These are churches, and we're supposed to be hot for Christ, not cold for Christ. We're supposed to be hot for Christ, hot-blooded for Christ. That's how we're supposed to be, not cold. So let's talk about that. But before we do that, let's talk about the title of today's church. Uh, hello. The title of today's sermon. The title of today's sermon is Church Temperatures and Personalities. That is the title of today's uh, sermon, Church Temperatures and Personalities. Now. If you were given the uh, illustrations, and again, it took me a long time, a real long time, but I went through and drew the personalities and the, the uh, also denominations, but we're going to start on the church personalities first. These are popular churches of today. These are church personalities. Now, the reason I did this and I did not give denominations because I'm not attacking any styles or denominations. I'm not going to do that. It's like a restaurant. If you go to a different, a different uh, style restaurant, you're not wrong for going to those different uh, restaurants. Just the different style you want to go to. However, personalities of a church are different because personalities, you get to see what, a, what they're really all about, whether they're really serving God or not. And that's different because a different style of a church means what they, their basic style is, how they present themselves. but a style, they can still present the word of God just because they're a different style. But if they have their personality completely differentiated uh, because they decide to let the world and not the word be coming out of them, that's a whole different story. So let's look at the personalities. The first one we're going to look at is progressive church. That's number one, the progressive church. The progressive church has popular opinions of the day. Not necessarily with the word of God. What they do is they, this, you'll hear this a lot today. 
they cherry pick scriptures to present themselves as being right, not necessarily the word of God. So let's first turn to Galatians, Galatians chapter one, because you have to remember when Paul was going around preaching the word of God, which he was doing so very well, you see that many, many places were doing this very thing, cherry picking things right from the word of God and trying to make themselves sound right and not the word of God itself. So let's now go to Galatians chapter one. And we are going to read here verse one, six through 10. So what does it say in Galatians chapter one, verse six through 10? It says, this is Paul. He says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not a gospel. But there are some who trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. And this sounds similar today. So many people do this. Listen to what it says. Although if we are an angel, excuse me, although if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than the one we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so I pray, excuse me, so I say now again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than the one you have received, let him be accursed. Verse 10, for am, I, for am I now seeking the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? For if I were still trying to please men, I would not be the servant of Christ. We need to remember this. How many people are trying to please the men and people, I'm talking about the mankind now, the people of the world and not Christ. Do we not see that today? How many people? Are yeah, but it's so popular. People want to please the homosexuals. They want to please the people living in sin out of wedlock. They want to please the people who think they're born a man and it wasn't right. They're supposed to be a woman. They think they're a woman. But listen, God doesn't make a mistake. If you were born a physical man, you're a man. You're only a woman in your mind, and your mind's messed up. Listen, I still love you. I love you. I love you very much, but I love you enough to tell you the truth. To tell you the truth. God doesn't make a mistake. How dare you say that God made a mistake? If God made a mistake about that, then he would have made a mistake about sending his son to save you. Don't you understand? God cannot be imperfect. And I don't think they even think about this, but if he was imperfect enough to send you into the wrong body, then he's imperfect about all things. Can't you understand? I digress. The next type of, oh, excuse me, there is one more scripture that I am to read here, and that is 2 John 1 9. Second one, hello, 2 John 1 9. Whoever transgresses and does not remain in the teaching of Christ does not have God. I'll say that again. 2 John 1, 9, and I'll finish it this time. Whoever transgresses and does not remain in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever remains in the teaching of Christ has both the Father and the Son. Now, why does John say this besides the fact that he knew Jesus so very well? Because he was telling people at the time who was saying that, and remember he was talking a lot of times to the Israelites, who were saying they knew God. They knew God, they knew God, but they didn't believe in Jesus being the son of God or God in the flesh. 
So he was saying these people who believe they knew God, but they didn't believe that Christ was God. He said they didn't know God because they thought that Christ wasn't God. So what is he saying here? Whoever transgresses and does not remain in the teaching of Christ doesn't know God. So these people nowadays who believe that they know God, God loves us all, and he made us this way. No, 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 no. If you're trying to teach something that isn't in the word of God or goes against the word of God, you don't know God like you think you know God. Philip, are you saying, Pastor Philip, are you saying that you know who's saved and who's not? No, but by our actions we are known. And if what you're saying goes against the word of God, you're saying it yourself. You can't have both. You're either hot or cold. As a hot Christian, quit acting like a cold lost one. This is all I'm saying. I'm not saying that you are by your actions. You're known. Come on now. Number two, the prosperity church. Oh, I think you know the prosperity churches. You see them all the time, those toothy preachers on TV. Those ones who are on there, there's so many of them. I'm not going to name any names. I don't need to. You know them. They stand out like a cartoon character. Why? Because they're fake. That's why. They're acting. As John Lovett used to say on Saturday Night Live, acting. That's why they're so hokey. Because they're acting. And not even good actors. Prosperity Church, about wealth and health. Word of faith churches. Name it and claim it churches. Get what you want. Cherry pick the scriptures of what it says. I was seeing some this last couple of weeks. Oh, it's been hard to watch. Cherry picking stuff that it says in the book of John, in the book of Matthew, in the book of Mark, saying that God was talking, talking about Jesus, talking to the apostles. He was talking to the apostles about going into the town and healing the sick and casting out demons. All that's true. But these goofballs were saying that they were talking to us, the Christians. You didn't know you're supposed to go to the gravesides and heal the, the sick and raise the dead? You know why? Because you're not. He wasn't talking to you. He was talking to the disciples then, the, the apostles then. And you know how you know that? Well, first of all, because you're not stupid. You're not ignorant. And because you read the two lines before it. Two lines before it says they went into Israel. Went into Israel. You take things literal in that area. You're not foolish. But these people also talk about mystical things, new age things. A lot of their teachings are about all sorts of goofy things, how God literally comes down and talks to them in the middle of the night. Now, I know that God talks to us through the Holy Spirit. He does me. I know he does you. He leads us through, our, through the spirit and tells us what we need to do to change. I know that. But I swear there's a couple of them, real corny, hanna Barbera acting characters that will tell us how God came down and spoke to them and told them how to heal people. You know, their legs are now longer than they used to be and all these weird things. And tells you to go put a seed, a seed for blessing. And, and he'll give it back to you. I'm sure you've heard these things, that you can buy a blessing and have power. And we wonder why the lost thinks a lot of Christians are stupid. A lot of these prosperity churches are the reason, to be honest with you. Now let's turn to 1 Timothy. By the way, I still love my brothers and sisters of Christ. I believe they're saved. I just believe they're false. At least their teaching is here. And I believe that they put a bad name, a lot of them do. And I know it sounds hateful. I do love them. 
I just don't love what they represent here. First Timothy chapter six, verse two through 10. What does it say here? Oh, it would help if I turn to the right place here. <clears throat> verse two through 10, first Timothy chapter six. It says, let those who have believing masters not despise them because they are brothers, brothers. Instead, let them serve as slaves because those who receive their service are faithful and beloved. This is the part I want you to hear. Teach and command these things. Anyone who teaches otherwise and does not cons consent to wholesome words to the words of God, to the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to godly words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to godly doctrine, is conceited and knows nothing. He has a morbid disposition for controversy and verbal disputes, from which come envy, strife, blasphemies, evil speculations, constant disputes by men of corrupt minds, being, being destitute of the truth and supposing that financial gain is godliness. Withdraw yourself from such men, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. If we have food and clothing, we shall be content with these things. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all evil. While coveting after money, some have strayed from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now, one thing you're going to notice about the prosperity church is they fall all the time for money, 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 money. They want money. Give me your money. Give me, give me, give me. And they talk about faith. Yeah, they have faith that you're going to be full of something. Send them all your money. They have jets. They have all these things. Where do you think they got those white teeth? They bought them with your money. <laughs> Where do you think they got all that brown hair at the age of 87? They got it with your money. I mean, they'll tell you that God healed their hair. They literally say that. No. I believe that one of the, the little dyes did that for them. But either way, it doesn't matter what I think. The point is, is they're often about self-power pride, the me factor, and my will be done. And this is all false. Folks, we're supposed to give our faith to the Lord, not ourselves. Moving on, number three. Number three, and by the way, this is the ugly cousin, the ugly cousin to the prosperity church, is the prophetic church. Now, you know it's a little magical looking stuff. The prophetic church. What does prophetic mean? It means prophecy. Sometimes in the same churches. You'll have prosperity and prophetic, prophetic stuff right then and there, the same ones. you probably seen them. And they do it. We're not to do that. Only God knows what's going to happen. And sometimes he does speak to people. But by the way, most of the time he doesn't. You know why? Because only God is supposed to know. Not, if he tells you something that's going to happen, it's rare. And follow him and he'll show you. He'll show you what's right. It's not for us to know every little thing. Can you imagine knowing every little thing? When you walk around afraid all the time that you're going to ruin what God told you, only God is to know what's going to happen in every little thing, not us. 
What we know, we know a little bit of, and it's to follow God's word, and you will always be in his will. You're not going to know every little thing. A prophetic church is almost always mystical and mythical. What will it be? It's a future focus. God told me. God told me. And what they do is cherry pick scriptures. Let's now turn to 1 Corinthians 14, 13 through 33. 1 Corinthians 13. Excuse me, 1 Corinthians 14, 13 through 33. First Corinthians 14, 13 through 33. Let him who speaks in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. By the way, we're not speaking against the uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit, but it's not what defines you. So I'll go on with this. Let him who speaks in tongues speak in an t- unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding. Otherwise, when you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the unlearned say amen at your giving of thanks, seeing he does not understand what you say? For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, I had rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice, I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Rather be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law, it is written... With men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people, but even then they will not hear me, says the Lord. So tongues are for a sign, not to believers, but to unbelievers. But prophesying does not serve unbelievers, but believers. Therefore, if the whole church assembles in one place and all speak with tongues, and those who are unlearned or unbelievers come in, will they not say that that you are out of your mind? But if all prophesy, and there comes in one who does not believe, or one unlearned, he is convinced by all and judged by all. Thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report to God, excuse me, report that God is truly among you. How is it then, brothers, when you come together, every one of you has a psalm and teaching, a tongue, a revelation, and an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most by three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him remain silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and the others judge. If anything is revealed to another that sits by, let the first keep silent. 
for you may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be encouraged. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Now, I know that was a lot. That was a lot to take in. But here's the point. Does God give prophecy? Sure. Does God speak in tongues? Sure. He's given me that gift, and I, it's actually a, a praise that I give unto him. But the truth is that's a, a private thing between me and him when I pray. It's a prayer language. God gives all sorts of gifts to us all. But it's not for showing off. It is not to be done out in the open so that people can wow over the believer. And you see it on TV all the time. A whole bunch of people, because people do that all the time just for a show. And you'll see that a lot of prophetic churches. So is that real? Well, that's between them and the Lord. But I'll tell you this. I don't believe so because they're often about self-power, pride, the me factor. My will be done. The false prophecy, the false. And it's often, far too often, as I said before, the ugly cousin of the prosperity church. Number four, the traditional ceremonial church. More about the appearance on the outside and habit and not the substance of the soul. They go to church on a Sunday morning. They don't receive anything. They're just there because it's the habit. It's what I call the habitual church going. By the way, this happens in almost every kind of church, every style of church. There's, it's, it's all on the believer, not the style. Many people go to church so they can tell people, I went to church Sunday. And a lot of people will go in there and they'll just sit. They hear the words, but they don't listen to the words. They hear the words, maybe even listen, but they don't do anything of the word. They don't apply it. So it's just a traditional ceremonial church, and they do nothing with it. And what does it say about that? Well, James 1.22, James 1.22 is very important. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. No, here's number five. And I think you've all heard of these churches. The legalistic church, the legalistic church, you have to be just so-so and do everything that I, that I do. Cross every t, dot every I, cross every T, just right, or you're not a real Christian because you're not like me. And there's churches like that. I know them. You've heard of legalistic churches. And, uh, and not to name any because we're not going to do that. But then Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, 13 and 15. Galatians 5, 13 and 15 says this. You brothers have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty to give an opportunity to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For the entire law is fulfilled in one word. Even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you are not consumed by one another. A legalistic church so often does not represent Christ very well. If anything, whether they mean to or not, they're representing the old flesh. Usually a legalistic church is the kind of church that most of the lost will point to and say, that's why I don't want to ever go to church and I'm not a Christian. Now, let's be honest. The lost people 
do this so they don't have to answer God, and that's all on them. But this doesn't help matters. That's why we're to be a good representation of Christ. It's very hard. Then there's the ugly cousin of the legalistic church, the egocentric, prideful church. Because not all egocentrical, prideful churches are legalistic, but they can be egocentric. I've known several, uh, or at least believers this way, where they think their version of the Bible is the one and only, their type of singing is the only, their type of living is the only, and anyone who does this any different is evil and not really saved. I hate to say this, but when I was younger, I, I had a little bit of that, and God had to correct me. Not so much I thought anyone had to be like me. I never thought that. But at the same time, God had to correct me. And I think part of that, that pride issue is when you're young, and, and God has to correct I mean, not everybody, but he did mean, had to show me how to be a little better about that. But either way, an egocentrical, egocentrical and prideful church uh, is very dangerous. And they look down on all of the churches around them. That's why you see on this picture here, that big egocentric prideful church is looking down on the little church next to them. They don't have as many people as we do. They're not as big as we are. They're not as pretty as we are. You hear that all the time. People do that. But look at me. Huh? We're not to be that way. We had a brother earlier today in Sunday school who was pointing out that we're not to point to others and look at ourselves. We're to look to Christ. That's our measuring stick. It's Christ, not us. What does it say in Proverbs 8.13? Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance, and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. This is the Lord speaking. It's the Lord speaking. And then Proverbs 11, verse 2. Proverbs 11, verse 2. When pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom. With humble is wisdom. And that's beautiful. And then there's number seven. Number seven, the seventh church, is the B-plus church. Now, that may not sound like a perfect grade, but it is, and I'll tell you why. A B-plus church is the Bible-believing, Bible-breathing, Bible-being church. Nothing in between. No pride or emotion, excuse me, no pride or emotional weight to stop it. But let the Spirit go through you. That's the way every church should be. It has nothing to do with B for Baptist, no. Nothing to do with that or any other kind. It's to be Bible-believing. Bible breathing, Bible being. In other words, let the Bible live it. That's the perfect church that every church wants to be, or probably thinks they are. But that's what all churches need to be. All believers need to be. And if you're that way, you get an A-plus grade because that's, a, that's the Bible. That's God's way. That's how we need to be. And it says in Ephesians 1, 22 through 23, and he put all things in subjection under his feet and made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all things in all ways. And then in chapter 2 of Ephesians, 19 through 22, it says this, Now therefore you are no, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, 
but are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the entire building, tightly framed together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God through the Spirit. We grow into a church together. Jesus Christ is to be our cornerstone and no other. Now turn over to the other side. We are now going to try to quickly go through the Revelation churches. Now I'm going to try to go through the book of Revelation, every bit of it, I'm kidding. <laughs> but I am going to go through chapter 2 and 3, at least bits of it. So go to Revelation chapter 2 and 3. <clears throat> But we have a few, a few of these types of churches. The first type of church, number one, is the lukewarm church. Now, these are not in a row, incidentally, at least not the way that they're mentioned. In fact, the first one we mentioned is the last one, and the rest are all in a row for the most part. But I want to mention them this way because I wanted to put the three good churches or at least two good churches, one almost good, church last. But let's take a look at it. Okay, so let me read it first, and then we'll go through it. Okay, Revelation chapter 2 and 3 says this. To the angel of the Lord of Ephesus, and this is Jesus, by the way, that they speak of, to the angel of the Lord of Ephesus write, he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, he who walks in the midst of the seven golden uh, candlesticks, says these things, I know your works, your labor, and your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles, but are not, and have found them to be liars. You have endured and have been patient, and for my name's sake have labored and have not grown weary, but I have something against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your candlestick from its place, unless you repent. But this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear. What the Spirit says to the churches, to him who overcomes, I will give permission to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And then we're going to go to the message of, of Smyrna, and this is of verse 8, 8 through 11, actually. It says, to the angel of the Lord of Smyrna, write, the first and the last who was dead and came to life says these things. I know your works and tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Look, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tired, excuse me, that you may be tried, 
and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Then we have the message to Pergamum, and this is verse 12 through 17. Listen to what it says here. To the, to the church of Pergamum, write, He who has a sharp two-edged sword says these things. I know your works and where you live, where Satan's throne is, yet you hold firmly to my name and did not deny my faith even in the days of Antipas, my faithful uh, martyr, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. You have there, you have there those who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a, a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. So you also have those who hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent or else I will come to you quickly and will war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give a hidden manna to eat. Then I will give him a white stone, and on the white stone a new name written, with no one, which no one knows except he who receives it. And then verse 18, it says, To the to the Angel of the church of Thyatira, write, the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and those, excuse me, and whose feet are like fine brass, says these things, I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience, and that your last works are more than the first. But I have a few things against you. You permit that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent of her sexually, sexual immorality, but she did not repent. Look, I will throw her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation. Unless they repent of their deeds, I will put her children in, uh, to death. And all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the heart and minds. I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. Now, to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have these, uh, this teaching, who have not known what some call the death depths of Satan, I will put on you no other burden. But hold firmly that you have until I come, what you have till I come. To him who overcomes and keeps my works to the end, I will give authority over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron like the vessels of a potter. They shall be broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, chapter 3, the angel of the church of Sardis write, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says these things, 
I know your works, that you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain, but are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfected before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief. And you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis. You have not, you have not soiled the garments. They shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. I will not blot his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Verse 6. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And now, last but not least, actually, it's not last. There's two more churches here. This is the best one. This is the one I love the most, the, the Church of Philadelphia. Now, maybe it's because I know the name Philadelphia so well, and I've been to Philadelphia, and I also love the Philadelphia cream cheese. I don't know. But here's the Philadelphia. I love Philadelphia. This is the church that everybody wants to be like. Listen to Philadelphia along with the other one. Listen to this. The angel of the church in Philadelphia write, he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens, says these things. I know your works. Look, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it for you have a little strength and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Listen, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Listen, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you because you have kept my word of patience. I also will keep you from the hour of temptation which shall come upon the entire world test those who dwell on the earth. Look, I am coming quickly. Hold firmly what you have so that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of the heaven from my God. And my own new name, excuse me, and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is why you cannot lose your salvation. It talks about it over and over again. This is why people cannot take away your crown. This is why we're not going to be there through the horrible time that says so right here. This is when it says one more church, verse 14 through 21, the very last of this chapter. The angel of the church uh, of uh, Laodiceans write, the amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginner and the creation of God says these things. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich and have stored up goods 
and have need of nothing, yet you do not realize that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, that you may be rich and white garments, that you may be dressed, what the excuse me, that the shame of your nakedness may not appear and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see those my love I rebuke and discipline. Therefore be zealous and repent. Listen, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes will I grant to set with me on my throne as I also overcome, excuse me, overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Now I know that's an awful lot. I apologize, but I wanted to say this before I went on. When we go to these churches, when we look at these churches, we need to know that the first one we're looking at is number one, lukewarm church of Laodicea. Laodicea is a lukewarm church, neither hot nor cold. That's the worst church. How many churches are there around right now that are like Laodicea? Neither hot nor cold. They don't want to be too hot. Oh, no, 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 no. People may think bad things. They're, they're, they're cold, but not too cold. They're right there in the middle. No, we don't want to show too much emotion. We don't want to be like that. The Bible talks against it. Jesus spoke against it. And then number two, the compromised church. Man, we see compromised churches all over the place. We talked about it a while ago. The compromised church with sin all over the place. Oh, it's colorful sin, but a sin nonetheless. Oh, we don't want to call it sin. That might hurt someone's feelings. Folks, Jesus hurts feelings to put them right. But they're compromised, and we don't want to be like the compromised church of Pergamum. And then number three, the corrupt church of Thyatira. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. I apologize. But the point is we don't want to be the corrupt church. Number four, the dead church of Sardis. We don't want to be a dead church. We want to be alive forevermore through everlasting life. And then we don't want to be the, um, the apostolic church. We don't want to be apostolic church. What does apostolic mean? That means a pompous church. You don't want to be a pompous church. Now, Ephesus was a real church. It was a real church. It, we just read that. That was the first one they mentioned. Ephesus was a real church. Problem was it was pompous. And because of that, because of its being pompous, yes, it rejected the false teachers, and that's great, but it forgot their first love. There are churches that way. They're, they're very pompous, but they forget the first love of Jesus. We're not to be that way. How many churches there are? True, yes. But far many, too many are a horrible witness to the name of Jesus Christ, and it turns people off, turns them away. Number six, the number six church, the persecuted church of Smyrna. That was the second one we looked at. The persecuted church of Smyrna. You know how many churches are persecuted? And they're hated by the world. They're spit at, laughed at, just like Jesus was. But they're a light shining from that little persecuted church. That's why you can see on the drawing I have, <laughs> I have it all beat up, bruised, battered. There's patches on it. I'm going to tell you something. Many, many times I thought our church was going to fall in, fall down. We had to put patches on this and patches on that. But you know what? In some ways, it's good to be persecuted because you know you're doing something right when the world hates you. 
As long as you're following Christ and putting him first, you know there's something right. The persecuted church is sitting in the dark, and yet it's shining bright. You might be persecuted, but you know what God said, what Jesus said? You endured suffering and poverty, yet you are rich. And you know what the weakness was? There was no weakness. No weakness in that church. And then the last church was the faithful church of Philadelphia. The faithful church of Philadelphia. And oh, the faithful church of Philadelphia, we all want to be like. And that church loved Jesus. It kept Christ's word and did not deny his name. And there was no weakness in Philadelphia. A true church never stopped spreading the word, never stopped spreading the word and the truth of the gospel. Never, 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 never. We need to remember that. There's so many other things I could read, and I won't. I won't, because I don't want to keep you here forever today. But I'll tell you this. In Colossians 1.18, we need to remember, in Colossians 1.18, he being Jesus, he is also the head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have the first place in everything. There's so many other things I could read to you in 1 Corinthians 1, 2 through 10. I'm not going to read through it all, but I'm telling you, read that if you want to read how a church should be. 1 Corinthians 2 through 10. But we are to be gathered in the name of Jesus Christ. As it says in Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. And let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works. Not staying away from our worship meetings, as some habitually do, but encouraging each other. And all the more as you see the day drawing near, folks, the last day is drawing near. We need to be together. We notice this in Matthew 18, 20, two or, more, two or three are gathered together in my name and I am there among them. We know that, but we need to be together. Why? Because you find strength in your fellow brothers and sisters of Christ. We need to be together in church. Why? I don't know about you, but when I'm feeling down, I need to lean on my brother, my sister in Christ. I need to lean upon, lean upon my brothers, lean upon my sister, lean upon the word, lean upon those who are struggling too. You know what I love about Sunday school so much? I love to hear my brothers and sisters help me out. They're struggling too. Okay, we may have different struggles at different times, but we lean upon the same thing, the Word and the living Word, Christ. We need each other. If you're feeling all alone, just remember you're not. Because not only can you lean on Christ, but you can lean on your brothers and sisters who are also leaning on Christ. Remember that. And we close with one other scripture. Look up Ephesians 4, 4-7. through 7. Ephesians 4, 4 through 7. And as we close reading Ephesians 4, 4 through 7, I want you to remember to look at these churches again. These churches, I was a little boy watching a lot of cartoons, Disney and MGM and Warner Brothers, all that. They used to make these objects come to life. And that's why I used to love doing that with kids, and I do it with you now. Making these Churches and buildings come to life because I enjoy doing that. And I think that we can a lot of times, you know, bring things to life. And I think it helps the 
right-sighted people, I'm talking about the right brain side people, helps them remember things sometimes. Maybe not. I don't know. But I do know this, that a lot of times, if you see something, it can help you to remember it later. Maybe when you drive by a church later today, different churches, pray for that church. Because I don't know, when I drive by a church, I don't know what kind of personality they have. I don't know what they teach. But you know what I always pray? I always pray that they be like the faithful church of Philadelphia or the persecuted church of Smyrna. I pray that they not be like all the others. I pray that they be a B-plus church with an A-plus grade. I pray that they not be a popular, uh, excuse me, a popular uh, progressive church or prosperity church. I pray they not be the one that is trying to make be popular by the ways of the world, but but by the ways of the word. And we need to make sure we're doing the same. Amen. Amen. So as we close, let's now read Ephesians chapter four, verse four through seven. Remember this, always pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Always pray for your fellow believers. Always pray for other churches. Pray that God is using them to preach the word, the truth. Ephesians 4, 4 through 7. There is one body and one spirit, even as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. The grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Let's bow in prayer. Dear precious Heavenly Father, today we pray for all the churches around the world. We pray that each and every church be a B-plus church with an A-plus grade. Preaching from the Bible. Be a Bible-believing, Bible-following church, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, that they love you and they live to follow you. Lord, for all the other churches that are not that way, I pray that they become that way. I, I pray that each person that goes there is a believer. And I pray that if they're not, that Lord, you show them through the Holy Spirit that they're not, that they will not believe they are when they're not, but that the Holy Spirit shows them. Lord, we love them. More importantly, we know that you love them. You know all about them. Lord God, I pray for us. If there are things that need to be changed here, I pray you will. I pray you show me and show all of us here. I pray, Lord God, that love will shine from this church. I pray love shines from all the churches around and that the world around us, Lord God, will come in. And I pray, Lord, if there be any distractions keeping them from seeing your light, I pray the distractions be removed. And Lord God, that they will come to you and grow in you. I pray all this in your holy name. And I pray if there be anyone who needs to come forward today, Lord God, if you're calling them to come forward to grow, I pray they do so. I pray that we never be kept back from you. I pray all this in your holy, precious name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me, please, and open your hymnals to number 307.